0: Good morning, Trinity Heights Church. It's great to see you all this morning. Last week, if you remember, Stephen and I had the pleasure of speaking with Caitlin Canning and Lauren Goff. Uh, Both are active uh, in the Trinity Heights community, and both are actually involved in law. They have that in common. Caitlin is a practicing lawyer uh, in the city, and Lauren is currently uh, buried under a pile of books (laughs) at Columbia Law School. My name is Eric Helvey and I'll be moderating the discussion from where we left off last week. Caitlin, Lauren, Steven, thanks so much for joining us once again. Yeah,
1: happy to be back. Likewise.
2: Thanks, Eric.
0: So last week, we ended with the three of you speaking about your individual childhoods, your past experiences with spirituality, religion, and church, and how each of your specific pasts work to inform your current ideas, and more specifically, how your past informed your attitudes and emotions when you first stepped foot into trinity, trinity heights church and i'm always amazed at how deeply things from our childhoods and adolescence affect our spiritual experiences uh, and, and emotions i know that was the case for me uh, i was born in portland oregon uh, and then when i was nine moved to south africa i was raised in south africa by missionary parents uh and then uh, fell in love with art. Started painting when I was 16 years old, and almost immediately started uh, thinking of myself as being um, kind of a, a very complex, brooding artist with uh, incredibly sophisticated aesthetic standards. You, you, you uh, pull it off well, Eric. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, uh, uh, but. All of those things uh, actually forced me to hold myself at a distance from from certain people and certain church experiences. Uh, but looking back, uh, I think at my core, actually, I had been hurt by some legalism in the church, and, and for a long time, also held uh, the belief that serious contemporary artists could never be successful if they were associated in any way with Christian faith. A- and yet, um, there was from the beginning of my experience with Trinity Heights, something about the community here and the conversations that recognized and spoke into my uneasiness and deep out while also simultaneously renewing my hope in the gospel and the beauty of, of faith. So quite simply, uh, Stephen, when I heard you preach for the first time uh, about uh, Dorita and, and deconstruction, I, I
2: think I was hooked. <laughs> Good old Jack Dorita. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, I think that is that is part of what we're trying to do, right? Um, you, you remember that famous scene in the Book of Acts where Paul's in Athens and he's standing in the Areopagus where all the philosophers are, and Paul begins this conversation with them talking about some idol he saw in the city that morning, perhaps dedicated to an unknown god and and so this idol to an unknown god becomes like the opening for him to to start talking about jesus uh he also says as one of your poets has said so he starts quoting their philosophers and their poets back to them so he's deep within the territory of greek thought at that point and so he's he's making his appeal from within their own world from within their own culture and by doing that, there's, there's a sense in which, what he was saying is, look, we belong together. We, we actually belong to each other.
0: It's such an interesting point. Paul was was stepping into their culture in order to connect with them, and that was just right. naturally creating a, a sense of belonging. So I, I'm curious, Lauren and Caitlin, seeing that you're both still actively involved with the Trinity Heights community to the point that we're actually having this conversation this morning, uh, What was it that made you decide to stick around?
1: Yeah, so it's funny. I sort of fell into it despite my intellectual resistance. Um, I would leave my apartment every Sunday morning expecting that I would discover the part of Trinity Heights philosophy that was dogmatic, uh, potentially kind of bigoted. I had some assumptions about what Christians were like and what church was all about. (laughs) Um, And then each week that didn't happen. And so... I'd say, all right, next week, you know, that's probably going to be my last. uh, And I do it again. Um, And I think at some point I kind of transitioned from examining rhetorical arguments in a more intellectual way to actually engaging emotionally um, and finding that I would be really challenged or really inspired or often really healed um, by the sermons. And so probably after about six months or so, um, I kind of felt that transition of, going from being kind of uncomfortable with the idea of raising my hands and singing that was new for me uh, to feeling like I really needed to sing with the congregation every week to sort of recenter myself um Mm -hmm. I also became friends with uh Stephen and Julia um and you guys recommended books for me to read that were uh really challenging and interesting and sort of uh It took me by surprise, I think, a little bit. Um, And so over the course of the past few years, I found more and more that when I was having a really hard time, um, church felt really necessary. Um, It also, I think, challenged me to think more deeply about how I wanted to live my life, what kinds of values I was embodying, uh, whether my life choices within a given week or within a given year actually aligned with my vision of myself and also the kind of world that I wanted to live in. Um, So I think about a year ago was when I had a bit of a crisis sort of realizing that I was actually thinking about becoming a Christian. Um, And I didn't know if that aligned with my spiritual past or if it would feel like it was sort of erasing my past experiences um with God. And so Stephen and I had coffee. Uh and Stephen, you talked me through my confusion and reassured me that actually adopting Christianity was not going to like erase my whole past <laughs> and negate uh all the ways in which I had felt like God was at work in my life uh up until now. Uh so I think that was probably about the point where I decided that I was actually going to stick around. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I remember that conversation. I think we've sat in cafe and right by the door, I think. And, uh, mm-hmm. you, you know, I mentioned the apostle Paul just now in, in Athens. And, and I think, you know, what, what he did there was to confirm for the Athenians that, that God had already been at work in their lives. He was already very near them and close to them long before Paul himself ever showed up or, or started sharing the gospel.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I, I think it's amazing to, to even to think about that. And, and Caitlin, you're still here. Uh, so what, specifically has kept you coming back?
3: Um, So I was really intrigued by this idea that skeptics were welcome. Um, In classic skeptic fashion, I was skeptical about that fact, but (laughs) I was pleasantly surprised when it was actually true. Um, After a few months of kind of dipping my toe in the water, um, I started to deconstruct my own belief system and my own biases piece by piece. Um, I think that was really the starting point uh, that and a, a really deep conversation with my boyfriend uh, about meta ethics and you know questioning the foundation of some of my really core values um you know typical relationship talk uh meta ethics. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so um i decided to start with the basics and uh picked up a bible and started reading it cover to cover i'm still not through with it yet uh but it's a work in progress like all of us mm-hmm. right <laughs> um i also joined book club um started reading reading other books recommended by steven and others um and i found that i really loved hearing and learning from all these other perspectives that i just hadn't really had before um as time went on i came to this realization that all of my core values were actually christian values and i wanted to keep exploring that um for example i One Sunday, um, Stephen was talking about this idea of like, what is progress? What does that mean? And it was one of those things that just got stuck in my head. And I could not think of anything else but this. It was just burning a hole in my mind at all times, you know, couldn't sleep, was just distracted by this question. So I had to explore it more. Um, And that question basically became a catalyst for my like aha moment um, that br- really brought it all together for me. Um, and yeah, I just really wanted to keep exploring that. Hmm.
0: And Stephen, I, I imagine that you might want to comment here as uh, hearing what they've just said, I, I think could bring up a few thoughts uh, about how certain ideas play out in real time w- within the
2: community of Trinity Heights. Sure. Um... You know, we 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 had to, we knew we had to be a place that, that engages with the culture and allows the culture to engage with us. So so we we really had to think about think it through about sort of every sort of detailed aspect of church life and think about you know what creates an environment where people feel like they can really come as they are and and really engage. Um, so w- one example would be the way we do church membership. Uh, I, I remember one Sunday uh, it was you and our mutual friend, Jack, um, Mm -hmm. and both of you were sort of, well, he he at the time was definitely leaning towards atheism or would have considered himself an atheist perhaps for a while. And Mm -hmm. both of you one Sunday came up and asked me about church membership. And my reply is, you remember that, right? Mm -hmm. And my reply was the same as it, it always is. I can make a very strong case for doing church membership formally, but not here and not now. Uh, in another cultural context, and maybe at other times, it makes really good sense. But uh, we're in this cultural context where the church is seen not, it's not even seen as a sort of benign irrelevancy, but more as a hostile force. I mean, those mm-hmm. ideas haven't spent themselves yet. Um, I think in England that's over with, and the church is seen more of as, as a sort of benign irrelevancy. But here it's seen more as a hostile group which keeps people out, very exclusive, holier than yeah. now. Um, now, if this is sort of our public image, the public perception of the church, then we want to do everything we can to stay up, stay well clear of that, and mm-hmm. and communicate this inclusivity and and and, and so, sort of acceptance. And so we we're, we're going to steer well clear of anything that makes people feel like there's some sort of you know secret inner circle that that makes mm-hmm. people feel feel less than. So you know, there's, I think there's something to be said for the idea that if, if, you know, if if you're here, you're here. If if you're involved, you're involved. And if if you're not, you're not. I mean, that's kind of how we do church membership.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And and let me just just interrupt and say that back when I first asked you uh, about membership that day uh, with Jack, I would probably have run a mile in the opposite direction if you had started listing all the hoops that I needed to jump through in order to get on the church membership role. And I know that, uh, church membership isn't the only thing that trinity heights does differently uh, we also we don't pass an offering plate uh we hold open communion anyone can come to the table
2: yeah and again that, that's a very deliberate decision uh, made made for very similar reasons i mean we don't we don't have a closed table i, I don't mm-hmm. feel the need to fence the table from people who are not christians um mm-hmm. look none of jesus disciples had a good handle on orthodox christian theology because it hadn't been written yet right hadn't I been mean, formalized anyway um but I'll, I'll tell you what they did have they had an affinity with jesus in some way or another and so when when we do communion you'll often hear me say something like well if these values that we've talked about right here this morning in the service if these values are your values in other words if this is where you find an affinity with christ then come and affirm that affinity and and that's why you know i think jesus serves communion even to Judas he's, he's reaching out to Judas saying look we can still be together you know this is how life can be that the meal was a way of finding affinity with Judas right to the to the last right. um so so the only the only real way that I, I I tend to sort of fence the table a little bit is is that if 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 this has become an empty ritual and that can be true for a Christian or, or a skeptic right if, if this has become an empty ritual then I often say look, the last thing I want to do is invite you into to an empty meaning, so there's so so just don't don't come and do that whatever you do um and so this is this is not about us sort of going off the rails it's it's not us sort of uh com- compromising the the gospel we're we're just asking you know what are the real hurdles people face you know you know the the, the apostle paul talks about the cross being the stumbling block and what, and what he means is that the cross itself is a thing that gives people pause when considering Christian faith. And it should be for so many reasons, but that's the point. I want people to get to that point where, where if, if, they're, if they're going to, to to hesitate, if they're going to have issues with the Christian faith, then it, then it should be right there uh, right at the, there at the cross and not to, sort of 20 hurdles back in the vicinity of church membership, communion, offerings, the, the language we're using and, and all the rest of it. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah and and Stephen I know in the past we've spoken about the aesthetics and beauty of of Christian community and you've spoken at length about uh, living life together as a work of art and so I think it's important to emphasize that this doesn't just happen by accident. I I think that uh, the most successful works of art, music, theater, literature, ones that just kind of knock you flat are all carefully designed and structured by the artist, composer, writer to be beautiful. And and yet we experience the power of art. We experience the power of these things in our bones, viscerally almost. And so I I think in in general, we have difficulty verbalizing the more nuanced experiences of community and living alongside one another. But with regards to the community of Trinity Heights, uh, Lauren and Caitlin, I'm wondering if you might be willing to try to attach some words to your current and ongoing experience.
1: Yeah, so it's funny to hear you talk about formal membership. I actually had no idea that was a thing at most churches. (laughs) Um, But I have thought a lot about membership in sort of more of an emotional sense, if that makes sense, of inclusion. Um, And I think that kind of membership uh, is probably one of the main reasons that I have decided to keep coming back is that feeling that uh, inclusion is unconditional. Um, I think it took me a little while to actually really believe that and get on board. But clearly at some level i knew it was true because i kept coming back um i think there really is at least i really have the sense that trinity heights takes people wherever they are um, and actually contrary to what i had assumed doesn't try to change or convert them necessarily um and i think i realized at some point along the way that uh no one was going to be upset if i never became christian Uh, which was sort of a turning point for me because I definitely thought of this as sort of like a long conversion process where everyone was sort of pretending to be inclusive but really hoping that I would ultimately come out uh, (laughs) as a Christian and be baptized. Um, But I think at some point I kind of realized that like if I called you guys tomorrow and said I've actually become a Buddhist, um, I'm pretty confident you would both still check in with me and see how I'm doing and you know (laughs) Uh, be there when I'm having a hard time. Um, And so I think that sense of community um, is definitely one of the reasons I became more open to Christianity, um, as I definitely had assumed that it was more in-group, out-group oriented. Um, But the revelation for me was really discovering that it's not just that Trinity Heights happens to be inclusive in that way, it's that it's rooted in the Christian narrative, that the Christian narrative has that kind of inclusion and the in-group out-group sort of idea is like superimposed onto that uh, or erases that or obscures that uh, in a lot of groups. Um, And so Trinity Heights services, I guess for me, sort of serve as a reminder of those values on a weekly basis. Uh, And I find myself on Sunday afternoons sort of checking in with people I love, trying to be a little more present, showing up when people need me because it's sort of a weekly reminder of that core value.
0: Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Because I think New York City itself isn't such a nurturing place for community period. So I think it's easy to find ourselves isolated and alone, or at least uh, we feel that way if we're not deliberately tapping into something. Um, Caitlin, how have you experienced the community at Trinity Heights? Yeah,
3: um, I echo everything that Lauren just said. Um, I really love and value that our community is filled with so many different perspectives um, and backgrounds. It really embraces this kind of come as you are mentality. Um, I think it makes discussion richer and fosters a deeper understanding um, of each other and the world around us. Um, And I love that no matter who I speak with, I can always find some common ground and have a real genuine conversation about something that matters. Um, I mean, just being involved in this community, it's helped me heal past work and relationships. Um, and it really made me recognize a version of myself that I really, really love. Um, and it's so funny, you guys were just talking about uh, this, you know, communion and this sort of idea of exclusivity. Um, I remember in the past being told that I wasn't like allowed to participate in communion um, at certain churches. And I remember um, Stephen was giving a sermon and that day I was very, you know, intrigued by the conversation, really engaged in it. And at the end, you know, that sort of same thing, you know, if you shared this value and these ideas, then please, you're more than welcome, come and share in communion. And I had never experienced that before. And I remember thinking like, yeah, I can get behind this. This is something that that speaks to me. And it felt so inclusive rather than you know some sort of crazy exclusive club that I was used to before. Um, and it just has been really amazing.
2: Mm-hmm. It's really we'll, great to we'll teach you the yeah. secret handshakes later. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> we haven't gotten to that yet. <laughs> yeah, it, it is, it's it's really great to hear that, that uh, there's this general sense of, of inclusivity. And uh, I, I think it's very encouraging actually that, that none of you have felt uh, that there's any kind of agenda hovering I- in the shadows. And I have to say that I've personally, have uh, never felt or gotten the sense that anything uh, about Trinity Heights was, um, was doing that. Or, and then on top of that, I think pushing for any kind of unnaturally accelerated journey into faith
2: well, well yeah well we're not we're not really interested in trying to control um people's journey or people's <laughs> trying to control people's belief um yeah. now that, that doesn't mean that we don't have convictions or things we firmly believe we are telling a specific story but but our mm-hmm. role is to narrate the story together and invite people in to try life out in that story for themselves and then say well see what happens you know
0: and, and that totally makes sense to me. Uh, Caitlin and Lauren, how do you respond uh, to the idea that faith and doubt and everything in between should never be micromanaged?
3: Yeah, I agree with this wholeheartedly. Um, (laughs) Although I try to micromanage every aspect of my work life. I've had no success with that, um, with that approach in my spiritual life. Um, I think faith and doubt are very natural human experiences. And we can't be expected to be able to figure it out all at once, um, if ever. And that's right. okay. Um, I've always needed to process things at my own pace and make connections and realizations about faith of my own. Um, so I think if you try to micromanage things like faith and doubt, then you risk kind of missing the bigger picture of the narrative that makes Christianity so beautiful.
0: Yeah, I mean, I completely get how important it is that we're free to make connections at our own. Pace uh but along with that, we get to do it uh in community right so with people that we love and who are available, if we ever need to bounce something off of them or you know ask whatever uh, I, so lauren I, how did you feel uh, how, well how do, how do you feel about uh, these ideas of uh, micromanaging faith
1: yeah. So I am a little bit of a control freak generally. (laughs) I really relate to Caitlin's statement of uh, controlling every aspect of her work life. Uh, And so I've kind of learned from personal experience that trying to micromanage anything generally doesn't go so well, uh, Mm -hmm. much to my chagrin. Um, So yeah, I think, I don't know, trying to micromanage faith and doubt sort of feels like saying you've decided you're never going to feel sad again. Uh, Mm -hmm. Life doesn't really work that way. I grew up kind of thinking that faith should never be shaken. Uh, And so that was one of the reasons why becoming more open to Christianity created such an identity crisis, honestly. Um, But I, during that period, was sort of thinking back to Eric, when you shared uh, how you had experienced a lot of doubt before ultimately coming Mm -hmm. back to Christianity. Um, And so I think it sort of helped shift my perspective from viewing it as uh, like a character flaw. Uh, to seeing it more as like one stage in a trajectory of evolving faith.
0: Yeah, it's, it's great to hear. I'm really glad that that helped. Uh, I think that when we realize that, that we can let go a bit uh, and step away from, from our tendencies to control or over control, uh, there's a general feeling of freedom or, or, or a weight lifted even, which is something that I have valued personally. And I know that I'm, I'm not the only one. Uh, a good friend of mine, Jack, who uh, Stephen mentioned earlier, uh, used to attend Trinity Heights uh, before he and his family moved to North Carolina. Uh, Jack and Stephen would meet about once a week to chat and kind of hash things out. And I know, uh, Stephen, there was an interesting moment that arose in your conversations with him a while back, right?
2: Yeah, we, we'd been, so we'd been meeting for a couple of years at that point and discussed mm-hmm. anything and everything. Mm-hmm. And then, um, one one day he said, uh, you know, I've got to fess up. He said, all this time I've been waiting for the other shoe to drop. I kept thinking that I'm going to say something you're going to find threatening or I'm going to ask too many questions and you'll just ditch the conversation. So he said, I just kept waiting for the other shoe to drop, but I've come to the realization, actually, that's never going to happen. Uh, so- <laughs> Well, you know, it took a couple of years, but I, I think that was something he felt not not just about me, but about the, the community in general as well, which is, is, is always really encouraging. Yeah,
0: I remember you, you telling me that story, and I just thought it was, was great that, you know, the other shoe is just, it's, it's just not going to happen, you know, the other shoe is just not going to drop. So I'm curious to know if either you, Lauren, or Caitlin have had similar feelings to that. Uh, so when speaking with anyone uh, in the Trinity Heights community, uh, have you ever felt that somehow if you pushed too far or said the wrong thing, that that specific relationship would be over. And then the whole church thing would somehow come crashing down.
3: Um, I have to admit, I initially did have that fear of offending someone with an onslaught of adversarial questions, Mm -hmm. uh, classic deposition style. Uh, (laughs) Thankfully that never happened. Um, I found Trinity Heights to be one of the best open forums for discussion. Um, I mean, this panel is exhibit A. While it's my nature to always be very cognizant of the words I choose, you know, being a lawyer and all, um, I've never been afraid to speak my mind, um, especially if I have those burning questions that keep me up at all hours of the night. Um, I I have a skill to find exactly the right words to push people's buttons while kind of playing devil's advocate, just ask my boyfriend. Uh, But I'm no longer really worried that any of my questions at Trinity Heights will create that Kind of dismissive environment that initially turned me away from the
1: faith when I was younger.
0: Mm, that's great to hear. How about you, Lauren?
1: Yeah, I definitely had those fears. Um, I spent the beginning portion of uh, my time at Trinity Heights sort of assuming that people didn't actually mean what they said when they uh, used the tagline skeptics welcome. Mm. Uh, I think it took a conversation over coffee with Stephen at a mutual friend, where the friend said something like, um, I think Jesus's message is really beautiful, noble, powerful, Uh, but then again, so is Oprah's. So why why Jesus over Oprah essentially? Um, And Stephen actually then turned it into a sermon uh, to explore with the whole church. Uh, And I think it was probably about that point that I really first realized uh, that there weren't actually taboo questions Uh, But honestly, I still catch myself sometimes, assuming that the church will be judgmental about something in my life and have to kind of catch myself. Um, Honestly, Stephen, when you and I had coffee at Cafe Amrita and I was grappling with faith, uh, I think one of the questions I raised with you was uh, the idea that um, my partner is an atheist and I completely assumed that this would be a roadblock uh, to becoming a Christian, that that was going to be the point where you turned to me and said, sorry, no dice. Um, And (laughs) in retrospect, that feels kind of silly, because of course, you know, Dylan, and you guys get along great, and you've never said anything remotely like that to me. Um, But at the time, it felt like a really genuine concern. (laughs) Um, So I think... The more I get to know people at Trinity Heights the more I really realize that um, like on kind of deeper levels that actually know there really aren't taboo questions and no one was just kidding when they said that um, and honestly I think it's one of the reasons I sort of wanted to do this uh, I think I've definitely been a little reserved I mentioned sort of ducking in at eleven ten and ducking out uh, <laughs> as soon as, as soon as the sermon ended um, but it feels Trinity Heights feels like a space where you can be kind of vulnerable, Um, Mm -hmm. and I feel like everyone has been really open with me, and so I kind of wanted to take this opportunity to reciprocate and be open with Mm -hmm. everyone else.
0: And we really appreciate it, so thank you. Uh, And both of, you know, those answers are are very great, vulnerable, wonderful, honest. Uh, Stephen, do you have any thoughts?
2: Yeah, I mean, just just to really um, say thanks, guys, I've, I've really loved hearing you your, your articulate the things the way you have. Um, and, and it's just great to know that it's not just your conversations with me, it's just it's the conversations you've had with so many other people within the within the community. And so that's really encouraging. Um, and yeah, I just want to confirm that, that what, what you've been describing through your own experience. You know, we, we don't have that fear of sort of walking away from each other, because that would be totally antithetical to the gospel. The gospel is about the renewal of our humanity uh, in Christ. And that renewal doesn't doesn't happen alone. It, it happens together.
0: Right. And, and in fact, in so many ways, that there's the argument to be made that we can't be renewed apart from each other. Right. So uh, with that in mind, <laughs> uh the conversation continues and there will be more of these panel discussions to come. Uh, But for now, uh, Lauren, Caitlin, Stephen, it's been such a pleasure speaking with all of you this morning. Uh, Thank you so much for joining us.
1: Yes, thanks for having me. This has been great, thanks so much.
2: Yeah, thanks Eric, thanks guys. Take care.